In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I talk about the Sixers 126-119 win over Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. We talk about Embiid's strengthening MVP case and the buzz around that. We talk about him being snubbed as an all-star starter and about the overall direction of the team as they have now won 20 of their last 24 games to move into second place in the Eastern Conference. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on a Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. Good morning, Rich. Uh, nice to see you on this football Sunday. We are recording this before the, the Eagles play, so we will not know what happens. This podcast will probably come out after the game, so we will not know what happens while we're recording. But one quick go birds here before we uh, we get started, but how you doing? Go birds. And that is the uh, only do- relevant thing happening in the Philadelphia sports landscape right now. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, Although no. Although if you no, listen no. to sports radio, it, it it certainly sounds like it. But I get it. Like, it's a championship game. It's a bad timing for the, the Embiid to go up against and dismantle the two-time reigning MVP when the you know city is 99% focused on the Eagles. But that's a schedule. It's not a schedule. But look, I think there's an element of like, Hey, the city's on fire right now. And this is, sure. you know, part of it where, you know, you throw this crazy Joel performance, you know, throw it like another log onto the fire. And yeah, it's uh man. That was something, huh? It really was. I mean, this, this, this week, which, you know, only two games this week, both at the Wells Fargo center, both with a, a whole lot of juice in terms of just the matchup, you know, two really good teams with the nets and nuggets, and also a little bit of personal juice as well with Ben Simmons and then with uh, with Jokic. Look, they the way they can just flip a switch from frustrating the ever-living hell out of me, and the defense frustrates me, perhaps more than it should, but that's just something, an aspect of the game that frustrates me. And then all of a sudden, you know, bang, bang, yang, hits a couple of big threes, and then Joel Embiid just goes completely supernova. And I think he scored nine straight for the Sixers there in the fourth. He did everything, had a couple of blocks mixed in there as well, ended up with 18 rebounds, yada, yada, yada. Final overall stat line here from Embiid, 47, 18, and five, two blocks, three steals, 18 for 31 shooting. And most importantly for the Sixers, yet another win. They improved to 32 and 16 on the season. They're only one loss behind all-star starter Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics. <laughs> they have won 20 of their 24 of their last 24 games. They have only four losses since early December. And it feels very much like Joel Embiid. And look, if you're going to say the Sixers as a team, maybe you don't buy into them. I get it. But it does feel very much like Joel Embiid is being slept on in a way that and I'm not just saying this. You know, we recorded the last podcast before news came out that he wasn't voted in as an all-star starter, which is where that joke came from. I'm not even necessarily talking about that. It just seems like there's not enough people locally and nationally talking about the season he's having. And it's, it's weird. It's weird. I would agree with you. Um, first off, Joel Embiid is the new face of NBA rivalry week. Yeah. Because yeah. you know they make this kind of hokey thing. The NBA, they're like, okay, we're going to have, some good games in the middle of January and, and we're gonna call it a, games that we, yeah. yeah, games that we think, you know, have storylines and we're going to call it rivalry week. And it, you know, it's funny. I was actually asking, uh, 
Timmy B before the game the other day. I was like, are they? Because I, I didn't know if other teams. I was like, so all everybody's just playing two games this week? And he was like, oh, no, it's just like a normal week. But I guess they just were like, look, the Sixers are going to play two rivalry games. And they were the face of it. They got to play both of them at home. Yep. And it was like the the ghost of Christmas past, Ben Simmons, and the, the, the present rival in Nikola Jokic. And like, look, I mean, God, how many times do we complain about games that that don't have juice in the regular season? It's, aren't it's well the go-to played? joke. Like, it's a you know meaningless game in the middle of January. Yep. Those two games, first off, they had juice just because of the storylines and rivalries. I, I would also add that the teams were both good too. Like, yeah. Sixers are good. Both of the opponents were were good, uh, and they turned into just wild games. Both of them, like, wildly entertaining, in part. Because like you mentioned, the Sixers don't play defense for a lot of those games. And, you know, that's that's the whole part of it. And, yeah, I think uh, – I, I, look, I, I agree, man. And I think uh, I think Joel had – he had been slept on for a while. And, you know, I'm not going to go all Daryl Morey here and be like, you know, the, the Boston media, you know, like a bunch of Bob Ryans and Bill Simmons are voting on this or whatever. Uh, like, look, the, the fan vote was was 50% of this, I believe, as well. I will say it's patently absurd that Joel Embiid is not starting in yeah. the uh, in the All Star game because guess what I'm, I'm going to say it right now like it's it's not even I, to me it's not even a question and, and I know this might not have been the case because of the injury when some people voted when that got released best player in the conference full stop don't really think there's an argument for it. I think Kevin Durant might be the one argument. Jason Tatum, not an argument. Joel is nope. better. I don't want to hear about his team. His team is like one game in the loss column better. Giannis, like just not better. Like if you look at like literally all the advanced stats, just not not better. I, I don't understand. And and I think, you know, Joel always talks about how people, well, he said it yesterday. He's like, people don't like me because I'm an asshole or I troll or whatever, which it's kind of funny because it's like, no, man, like everybody kind of likes you. I, I get it that some people on Twitter probably go back and forth with you. I, I think your approval rating is generally pretty high. Yeah. That said, for these awards, like th- this is the year where I'm like, okay, like, come on. What are we doing here? Like people look at the Jokic advanced stats. All right. I don't want to see Giannis ahead of him then this year. I don't want to see that. You know, people point to record and, you know, carrying teams. It's like Jason Tatum's got a loaded team, and they're not that much better. I So I think it's ridiculous that he is not starting in the All-Star game. That said, for the MVP race and, and that award that he could say all he wants, he doesn't care, he wants to win games, you know, that'll take care of itself. He cares. He wants to win that of award. Of course he does, 100%. Badly, um, which is okay because that also means he wants to win a lot of games. The, the way you win that award is by driving the Sixers to a lot of wins. So it's a good thing. Um, I think that was a huge game for him, man. Like to to just kick the shit out of Nikola Jokic, who I think is an I mean, like, again, I'm not a Sixers fan, is an awesome, awesome player. Awesome. And he yeah. beat the crap out of him. Generational. Yep. So, so uh, oh, okay. That's well, huge. That's huge. There's there's a lot there. Um there's Sorry. a lot there. Yeah. In terms of the all star starters, who would your three have been? Uh my three would, would have you been bump? Tat- Tatum Dur- I would Giannis get off. See, I would have bumped Tatum. Okay, uh, I but think, I, I think both of those are good answers, by the way. They're fine. Tatum's played a lot more games. He's the only one. And he's played like, I think, eight or ten more games than Embiid. But partly because the Celtics have played two or three more games than the Sixers. Um, but he's the only one with a real significant games played discrepancy. Like Giannis and 
KD, I think, have played maybe like two or three more games in Embiid. But that being said, like I th- two things I don't really care about in all-star voting. I care about games played when I'm talking about, you know, MVP voting sure. in the name, most valuable player. Like you have to be on the court to add value. And I care about games played in terms of maybe all NBA. All-star, I don't. I think unless there's a huge, like players missed half the season. I think it should be the best players should be on that floor. And I also don't care too much about team record. Again, if it's a huge, if we're talking about the difference between, you know, Portland and Denver, then that factors in. If you're talking about one game in a loss column, I don't need to reward the Boston Celtics for having one fewer loss in the Sixers. I just, I don't, I think that's overstated in terms of how it factors into these, especially when it's a very close race. As Joel Embiid said the other night, like, hey, I view as the regular season is almost like a warm up, a trial period. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have load management. We're going to do all these things where, you know, the real season is the playoffs. Then I think we're rewarding win loss a little bit too much in his results. And when I look at those four players, to me, I think even if Giannis is having a little bit of a down year, which is weird because he's still having a great year, all these players are having great years. But when I look at those four, there's three of them that I think make a higher impact than J- Jason Tatum does. He's the That's one fair. I would bump. And I think so much of that is the Celtics' great start to the season and their incredible offense. And you feel like you have to reward that with an all-star starter. I just don't think he's one of the three best forwards in the East. He's fourth, which is great. He's a great player. But to me, it would have been, he would have been bumped. Um, well, also, you know, the Celtics are winning the narrative battle because of that great start. Like, I, I, for some reason, that first month just gets yeah. completely outweighed. And it, it just... It keeps going like, yeah, you think, oh, Tatum, lighting the world on fire, best offense in the league. Guess what? The Sixers are going to have a better offense than them in about like a week. Yeah. Look, I, I agree. I think that's a fair rationale. Um, I, yeah, Giannis, just, I don't know. Maybe I am penalizing him too much. But like, look, that, that's a, a fair criteria. If you just want to be like, hey, who's the worst player of these four guys? Not even close. Jason Tatum. And by the way, like, he's one of the best 10 players in the league. Right, right. But the other guys are better. And that's part of why I like, I almost hate these debates because like we talk about Embiid disrespect and I think he's being not talked about enough, but like, you know, oh, the media doesn't respect Embiid. Well, they voted him as the second best player in the league two years running. Like maybe it's not the, the number one that you wanted or that he wanted, but like, you know, there's some respect out there for him. Yeah. And this is sort of similar. It was like, yeah, Tatum might to me be clearly the fourth best player among those four players, but like he's still an incredible all world player. Uh, yeah. So I, I sort of hate even participating in these debates. But it is wild, just like Embiid's doing historic shit, like leading the league in scoring for the second straight year as a center, 64 point something percent true shooting, which is just absurd. Uh, I posted the stat earlier today here where there have been three players who have had a season of 30 plus points per game and 64 percent true shooting. Embiid, Steph Curry did it twice. And the, the shocker, Adrian Dantley did it way back there in the early 80s on garbage <laughs> jazz teams which nobody would have ever guessed in part because 40 years ago, it was tougher to do that because a three point shot was just entering the league and wasn't as prominently used. Uh, and good. also because he never really got far in the playoffs. And nobody really cares about Adrian Dantley. I don't care, but I'm impressed by that. I'm impressed too, uh, but it, it ha- is not done very often, especially not by big men and the combination of high usage and high efficiency on a team that is, what are they now? Fourth or fifth in offense, something of that sort sort. Like you said, we'll probably be second or third here very shortly on a team that is a top 10 defense might not be that way for all that long because they did not play any defense for six of the eight quarters played this week. 
But for what he's doing, it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what he's developed into. It really, really is. And I'm, I'm very convinced that what he is doing right now will translate so much better to the playoffs if he gets there with two working eye sockets and a working thumb. I hope we see it. I really, really do. I really do. And that's going to your point, which you mentioned earlier. That's like, it's great. And I agree. I think this, this game generated a lot of buzz for him. I think there's a lot of people talking about him. I think there's a lot of people like you and me and national people who are saying, oh, he's been slept on and underrated and he should be in the MVP conversation and blah, 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 blah. He's not really going to change that narrative, though, unless they find more playoff success. And that in part means advancing beyond the second round. But that in part means him having a series where he's just completely unguardable and takes it over and has signature moments. And he had that a little bit against the Raptors and he got his face blown up and his thumb torn and he needs that deeper in the playoffs. He needs those signature moments deep in the playoffs. And I, th- I really do believe he can do that this year. I really do. Yep. And, and let, we'll get to that in a sec because I, I agree with you, but as far as the MVP discussion this year, you know, as much as probably one game shouldn't matter, I feel like it, it has, has in yes. past years. Like, cause he hasn't cause won these games in the past. He hasn't. And it's funny, like, but when you look back at some of those games, like that game in Philly last year, I thought he was better than Jokic pretty clearly. Like, wasn't a crazy good Joel game, though. But Jokic won because Boogie Cousins and Bones Highland hit a bunch of threes, and that's what happened. But Embiid did not dominate the game. I also well, think about... Now he's sort of got the guys who hit some crazy threes. Like George hitting that one with one second left on his shot clock. Totally. Big, big shots by George yeah. at the end of the third quarter. Uh, after yelling at Shake, and uh, they were fine <laughs> a, after the game. A healthy yeah. yelling, a healthy yelling. Yeah, that when that happened in real time, I was like, "That's funny," but like, I, I'm, I promise you, like that that'll be nothing at some point. Yeah. Like he he literally was just yelling at Shake. Like Shake's kind of that like, guy, though. Like I feel like Shake Shake gets yelled at a lot. <laughs> sure. Well, Joel yelled at him, you know, like a, a few years ago. And it's funny, Joel's Joel's the one playing peacemaker now. Like, hey, relax or whatever. But in fairness, Shake. Should have given George a ball in that two on one. Like he he had a wide open layup. If you you know whatever, uh, <laughs> if you if you take it yourself, you can't get blocked. Is my general point there. Uh, but back to Embiid, yeah, those, these games matter, and I also think like for whatever reason, whether it's guys making threes. Remember when uh when he laid the ball up and Giannis had the block at the end of the game mm-hmm. too. Uh, I don't remember if Giannis won that year. Did Giannis win the MVP I that think year? He, I for, I, I, mm, no, I think Jokic still. I think won. yeah, but, I think that was post Giannis MVPs. But anyway, these big high-profile games, they just haven't gone his way for whatever reason. Now, sometimes it's because he has not played that well. He has maybe gotten too emotional or just fired up a dud. But sometimes it's the teammates. Sometimes it's just the signature play just didn't go his way, yeah. whatever reason. Uh, everything went his way yesterday. Yep. Everything. Yep. And when I said, you know, you mentioned George and the shooting. Um, I thought Doc was was better than Mike Malone, and we could talk about that a little bit too. That was a very good adjustment that he made. And um, finally the marathon man shows, uh, he did, you know, show some gumption. I feel like we've been waiting all year for a, that's why we got PJ Tucker moment. And maybe there was a little earlier against Durant and, and Giannis. He had some good moments, but that was, that felt like the first real, Oh, that's why they got PJ Tucker moment. But really more than anything, like, like, look, he got the necessary help, but more than anything, he was awesome. He was yeah. so good. He, uh, and honestly, I, I got chills, like just thinking about the, uh, you know, the step back three he hits at the end, like the roof blown off that place, you know, and he's like legitimately doing the MJ shrug, which I don't think he's ever done before. 
um, you know, Harden literally jumping on his back. I mean, that's just a great moment. That's like when you think, you know, we're such a, a playoff focused sport that you don't really get those, you know, that many moments like that in the regular season. Like that'll, yeah. you know, if, if you look at the NBA this year and kind of the coolest things that happened, shit, that might be number one. It, it really yeah. might. Like that was awesome. Um, so you're right. Like, I, and you know, the MVP is very much a narrative award, even if we look at the Vorps and the Schnorps and whatever Jack Lowe <laughs> always talks about, um, where, where that sort of gets in Jokic's favor. I think that was a huge. Sounds like a Spaceballs line. Sounds like yeah. something they would have said in Spaceballs line. Yeah. Mel Brooks, the God. Uh, I'm trying to think. Sorry. I, I just think, uh, a lot of that's in his, in his favor now. And, you know, I, I'd wonder, like, if, if you pulled the people who vote, for MVP, let's let's give him a week to cool off. You know, obviously he's going to win if you know they have to submit their ballots after the buzzer. But I think he's going to be right there. I think I think frankly well, he's probably going to be leading. You know, it feels a little bit like last year, where if you go back to the ESPN straw polls, he wasn't really in it in the first one, made a huge leap in the second, and then came up just short there uh, at the overall award winner. Like he had a lot of momentum in January and February last year too. And for whatever reason, that sort of tailed off. It'll be interesting to see what happens here because they do have a tough schedule coming up. We've said it a bazillion times. Doc Rivers was talking about it last night. We're not only are there a lot of good teams, but it's a lot on the road, a lot of back-to-backs. It's a very jam-packed, road-heavy, tough schedule coming up. And he's going to be, look, in terms of trying to win this down in a stretch, it is going to be difficult for him. The combination, it's, and it's as much a game's played and the travel, you worry a little bit like, are they just going to sit him too much? Is he going to, is that foot going to linger? Is that going to be a talking point down the stretch? And is, are, is the team going to struggle a little bit down the stretch too, which might be just sort of like a natural ebb and flow of a season because they do have such a tough schedule at the end and they have cleaned up so much, like I said, 20 out of tw- 24. But if they go slightly above 500 down the stretch, they might still end up with the two or three seed in the East, but because of where those struggles in the season came up, yeah. might we over overrate them at the end? He just loses it at the end. They're, Doc's been asked about that twice over the past couple of days, and he's admitted it. He's like, that March schedule sucks. Like, yeah, and it's, it really does. It's not just that the teams are pretty good, and I, I think he's right about this, because the Sixers are playing well enough where I, you know, as long as they're generally healthy— the, the teams matter a little bit, but they're they're going to be fine. Like they're, you should they're be able win. to beat you know Cleveland. They're a good team, but the way you're playing and the way you're constructed, you could, that's a very winnable Phoenix, Denver, like good teams, but winnable games for sure. Yeah, like you're for not sure. gonna you're probably not gonna crater against those teams. Is my point. If if you're playing like this, the bigger issue is that the, it's just so jam packed and so road heavy and so many back to backs. That that's five back to backs in a month. Yeah, I mean it's a lot. And you gotta sit. You gotta sit, Joe, for a couple. Of, you just you, you do, uh, especially so, when his foot is bothering him like every game. Yeah, that's the other thing too, man. It's like shit. Like, it'd be nice if he like was like, ah, maybe I'm hurt for this All Star game, you know? Like, and I just yeah. I just take the the couple weeks off. He uh, a quiet protest. Yeah, <laughs> quiet quitting for the uh, for the All Star game. He uh, yeah, but but and I would like to add one more thing too because I thought you made a good point, like. I think he is ready for the playoffs. Like these moves he's making where he's just like, you know, Jokic is not a great one-on-one defender. So that's, that's why it was a good matchup. Like the stuff that he's gotten so good at in terms of, you know, facing up from the elbow off the dribble, hang dribble, all those things. He put it all on display and that's why he should be better. 
in the playoffs. I, I really thought, uh, you, you know, another thing that was awesome about Joe yesterday, he comes out and I thought, you know, he hits his first three shots, but then, you know, he starts making some mistakes. He picks up a second foul pretty early and you wonder like, oh, you know, are the emotions going to get the better of him? Like he really does care about the uh, the game. And Jokic got him on a couple plays where Jokic has quick hands and Joel went for the pull-up jumper and he smacked it um, down. He finally realized like, okay, this guy is cheating for that. And there were a couple times where he cheated for the, you know, smack the ball out of your hands and Joe hit him with the hang dribble and then he dunked right on his face, which was awesome. Yeah. He went right yep. by him. And then Jokic was like, oh shit, now I have to guard against that. And that's when he started to get into the pull-up game. It was, you know, it was like really a, a very complete game. And I, I coming in, I was a little worried. I was like, not worried, but I was just thinking like, you know, with the way the Nuggets play pick and roll defense, I wonder if like Embiid's going to have a huge night because they put Jokic way up near the ball. It's like those those pocket passes. I, I thought like the Sixers were going to get good shots, but they were going to be like Tobias corner threes and Maxi corner threes where Harden was going to pick him, uh, pick his spots. No, I was wrong. Embiid found his yeah. spot still, you know, and he was still awesome. So, uh, yeah, man, it was it was great. I mean, it was a lot of fun, and um, I, I guess to add to it, like. The fact that they were able to win that game despite being down 15 points at halftime and looking like a stop would be literally impossible to get. Yeah. Just yeah. adds to the legend. Well, not only that, but like after that late run by George in the, in the third, like they came back out and were flat to start the fourth. I think the Nuggets build up like an eight or 10 point lead again. You're like, all right, every time they get close, Nuggets have an answer. Um, and then Joe went completely supernova. It was a really, really impressive performance. And as the game, as that fourth quarter went on, more and more people watched it, more and more people commented on it. It was a momentum builder for his MVP case, for sure. For sure. Uh, all right. Moving off of Joe for a brief second, even though I feel like the entire podcast should probably de be devoted to him, there were other people who participated in the game. He, by, by the way, and one last thing too, because I think Kyle has made a good point of it, like, you know, I, I think in the past, you know, when, when Joe plays bad, it's the other guy kicks his ass. Like, so we could say it. Like, he kicked Jokic's kicks ass, ass yep. yesterday. Uh, yep. And that just needs to, uh, I don't know, needs to be hammered home. Go ahead. Let's move off him now. Do you want to start off with PJ or Tobias or even Matisse? Like, where would you like to start off? I guess PJ probably since it was the most talked about move. Definitely. You know, it's it's something where they did a couple times having PJ defend Jokic and then Embiid on Aaron Gordon. And Gordon's a good percentage three-point shooter, but something that Joel pointed out in the postgame, he's very low volume. Like, I think two per game, something in that range. Making like 39% of them, but like two per game. So Embiid was able to roam off of him a lot more, stay out of foul trouble a little bit more, protect some of those cutters that were destroying the Sixers a little bit better. And PJ Tucker got real physical uh, with Jokic. What did you think of that move? It, it was great. It just, you know, the Nuggets are part of the Sixers trouble yesterday. And I think they were giving up like same number as the Nets, like 65% yeah. shooting at halftime. I mean, that's just, hey, look, Crunch. consistency, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They they were really bad on the perimeter. And, you know, like, look, some of that is the Nuggets. The Nuggets have, I, I don't know what they are now, but they were the second best offense in the league coming into the uh, game ahead of the, the vaunted Boston Celtics offense. And they're just tricky to guard, though, man. Like, they're yeah. not a normal pick-and-roll team. Like they, no. they run those pick-and-rolls where KCP just sets a flat ball screen for Jokic. That's really hard to guard. Nobody yeah. else really does that. The Sixers barely do that, even though they have a guy who can roughly do that as well. But Jokic is just 
is kind of a different animal when it comes to his passing. There's that. And then the other thing is just putting Jokic up around the free throw line, top of the key area, and running Jamal Murray off of him while also having back cutters. It's it's really hard because as Joel pointed out after the game, you have to be up on Jokic. Like you can't give him space. Like he yeah. he'll first off, he'll either pick you apart with passing or pick and roll, or he'll just shoot he it, shoot. man. Yep. yep. And he shoots like sixty five percent from the field or something ridiculous. So you know, as as Joel pointed out after the game, like he, he shot eight for twelve. He wasn't good yesterday. But part of that was kind of limiting his uh his volume and his his passing. So in that first half with Joel as kind of the Sixers' only backline support, they they were a nightmare. Like yeah. Harden, back cut, Maxi, back cut, uh, Melton. Uh, there was a play where Melton just lost Murray. I don't know what he thought. There was going to be like a switch or something like that. They they just did a really poor job against a really good team, and frankly, a team that I have a lot of fun watching. Like that, they yeah. got sliced and diced, and it was it was pretty stuff to watch. Like I thought the Nets the other night that was like. Really impressive shot making. Yeah, uh, this was like this was like team basketball. This was like five yeah. guys moving as one. Um, so to make that one switch, it, it was good, and it you know kind of reminded me a little bit of the 2019 playoffs when Joel played against Siakam, and he was more of a helper yep. against Kawhi. Now Kawhi just drilled jumpers in Ben's face at you know at all times, but they they certainly didn't need him to guard Gasol. They could put Tobias on him. That's what they did with PJ, and PJ you know for whatever issues he has like. He's a good matchup for just being an irritant for Jokic. Yeah. Like he's strong, he can get under him. And he did a really good job of kind of maybe like pushing him off a spot just a little bit more than Joel would. And like I, I get why Joe can't push him off a spot. He's carrying the team on the other end of the yeah. court. PJ's not doing anything. Well, on not only that, but he's worried about foul trouble. He's worried about rotating back to try to help some of those cutters. Like he's got a lot going on. And also he just didn't do a good enough job in the first half for sure. No, he didn't. He didn't. He got back cut on the end at the end too. That was pretty lazy play by him. But again, it's also just like Jokic and the Nuggets are are really good. So so PJ did an awesome job. And yeah, having Joel on the back line clearly scared them a couple of times. Some yeah. of those Murray layups turned into pull up jumpers because you had Joel and Bead hanging out at the uh you know, at the low block. Jokic had a couple of turnovers where he was trying to post up PJ, but guess what? Joe was right there. He was doing the Three seconds out of the lane, you know the the two point nine thing. He, uh, it, it was it was a really good adjustment, and you know it's I, I thought it was especially good by Doc, especially because like this is not the type of matchup you're going to see all that often. Like as much as the Sixers defended poorly yesterday, there's not a lot of teams that play like this. So, no. you know, it's not like your basic defensive principles were a complete disaster. I'm sure anybody will score a billion points against the Sixers if they're not trying like they did. In the uh, in the first half, but I thought it was just like a very game specific adjustment that he made, and it worked. It worked out really well. Yeah, it's it's like you said, or I said to you at halftime last night. Um, you know, the Nuggets are a type of team where if you fall asleep for a half second, they're going to pick you apart, and the Sixers fall asleep for a half a possession. So, like that was a pretty bad matchup there in the first half. And one of the ways you stop bleeding from cutting to the rim is put a guy at the rim who can meet them there and and defend them. But, I mean, there was a night and day difference. Night and day difference in the second half. I think Jokic shot 2 of 5 after the half. 2 of 5 for 8 points. I think he had like 4 assists and like 6 turnovers, man. That's like, look, I think Jokic was bad and he didn't handle it well, but that's that's good work. And And that's a big difference between, you know, when the Sixers used to do that with Gasol and Harris. Like, PJ's a slightly more physical defender. 
and can take a, a player like I wouldn't have done that with Harris and Jokic. Uh, I don't think Harris can hold up to that like he did against uh, Gasol. But PJ is a, a different animal in that regard. Well, yeah, and Jokic was Gasol was important for the floor spacing, but that was it. Like, yeah, it, he wasn't going to post you up. Part of the dare, it was like you were daring Gasol. Go ahead, yeah, yeah, go post him up. You don't want to do that. And yeah. and the answer was yes, I, I don't want to do that. Jokic, where I guess you're you're daring him to post up, but like on a normal night. Right. Up and he, he he's a type where he's a type where he'll score 25 and you'll say, well, but at least he wasn't passing <laughs> like that. That is the outcome we'll prefer. Please score, even though you can score 25 a night on 65 percent shooting. Yep. So so good adjustment by by Doc. And I, I think more than anything, I just I'm just like, it's just good to see that PJ is useful in some <laughs> kind of key spot. Right. Like yeah, it's been, I saw I saw some people reacting today again. Like I get you want to defend PJ and, you know, this is why you got him. He's done his job all year no he hasn't done his job all year but he did his job last night and you hope that situations like that show up more in the playoffs and he can he can add value in that regard but let's not let's not completely rewrite his season he's been a disappointment this year and it's okay we can say that while acknowledging he had a very good and very important game last night it's one of those where yeah you're just like you hope he can turn around the playoffs you hope he can be that big game player but the idea that like he he was bad for a reason against lottery teams, and he's good for a reason. Against, I don't I don't really believe yeah that. like no. he, he he should be able to show a little more uh, usefulness. I will say I was legitimately stunned by that tipping at the end of the game. Yeah, like, yeah, floored. I mean, how many times does he run for an offensive rebound? Like he actually got up a little bit to get that yeah. one too. That was yeah, kind of made that play look pretty routine on um on replay. I watched it live. It was not a routine play, especially for him. At uh, at this stage of his career, so yeah, some uh, some big moments for him. That was uh, that was good to see. I also got a kick out of watching Mike Malone, or sorry, Michael Malone. He gets uh, he gets angry if you, uh, if you if you call him by that other name. Uh, I we'll I get a kick out of him, Richard. Yes, thank you. When was the last time you were called like? Do you get called Richard by like your family? Outside of like uh, when your mom's pissed off at you. Yeah, well, yeah the 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 mom always calls you by the. Your mom always calls you by your full name if uh, if she's pissed off at you. My mom calls me Richard. She's the only person who calls me Richard for the okay. most part. And the only reason she does that is because my dad's name is Rich. So gotcha. you got to be sense. able to distinguish between the two. Uh, yes, it's not not too many. Where was I going with this? Oh, Michael Malone. He uh, No, that was a good question by you, though. <laughs> he, uh, it, it was interesting watching him take a timeout, like, Five seconds into the second quarter, it was yeah. interesting seeing one Nuggets people possession. Then they did the same the, damn thing a couple possessions later. Yep, and it was interesting seeing him. And when I say interesting, I think it was funny because it's just like this is a very similar thing to what the Sixers have battled over the years, where you know it was like four minutes into the second quarter, he's screaming, he's he's standing by midcourt, so he's screaming Nicola, Nicola, and I don't think Jokic was ready to go in yet. And he screamed it like four times, like, get the hell in, you know, uh, that was funny. I thought, um, you know, I I just looked at some of the nuggets post game coverage. They were very down on the Jeff green minutes. And I, you know, I didn't really notice that in real time. I'm sure Jeff green was pretty bad. I I think he was on the court for some of those Niang threes or whatever, but it just kind of reminds me of like, Oh, that's like us yelling about Trez or yelling about somebody else where we've all got our rotation players that just drive us insane. Yep. So, you know, as much as this is a good rivalry, there is a little bit of Spider-Man meme back and forth with with kind of how 
these two teams operate and how these two teams can frankly be helpless with uh without these guys uh on the court so that was uh that was funny i mean i don't know what he could have done to, you know people said he got out coached by doc you know i saw some nuggets people say that yeah i don't know maybe i don't know doc made a good adjustment but uh i thought just joel was i you know i i kind of don't want to boil it down to that though i thought doc was was good n- nice adjustment but if i had to boil it down i'd I just think the Sixers guy was better than their guy. Yeah. And, and that's, you yeah. know, just one game, but I thought that was the story yesterday. Little surprise they didn't have a better counter to the Tucker on Jokic yeah. uh, counter. Um, I'm a little surprised they didn't figure that out. So I would agree that Doc outcoached uh, Michael, but I think the biggest point is that Joel Embiid was insanely good and Jokic was just okay. And when you're talking about two teams that rely on their their star players as much as these Sixers do. Um, that was huge. And the Sixers had an answer for a Jamal Murray a little bit there down in a stretch that they didn't have for much of the game. It was a little bit of a surprising answer. You know, I think when we were talking about it on press row, like what's your closing lineup? I don't think Tobias Harris being matched onto J- on Jamal Murray and chasing him around like that was the answer I would have given or the answer I did give, if I'm being honest. Doc said he went up to, uh, to Tobias and asked, you know, can you do this? And apparently... Tobias had a little bit of a forceful response that is oh, not w- PG-13 for him. I would guess it was like, of course, the F I can. Of course I, something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's something almost like exactly that. right. Yep. Or like, are you effing kidding me? Like, yeah. Something like that. The, I, I believe the F-bomb had to have been in there. But Tobias did a great job. And I get on Tobias quite a bit for his defense because he does fall asleep too often for my liking. He gets lost in transition. He gets lost off ball. It's really off ball stuff that uh, he can drive me insane with. But he has these moments where he just dials it up and he's a a competent to sometimes good defender like against Toronto last year, like last night in the second half, where it is, you know, when you're talking about a, a player who switches between roles as much as Bias does, him growing into that is good. He will still drive me insane with his defense at times. Don't get me wrong. But he definitely has moments where he dials it up and is a very key contributor. Yeah, and it was it was kind of a crazy game for him because he was so bad in the first half. Awful. Awful. And then uh and I then think he was awesome scoreless, wasn't he? Yeah. In the first he was. Half? Or if he did, he had two points. And then the second half, you know, gets Making a couple drives. Threes, getting drives, yep. Yeah. And he made a honestly, one one of Joe's best plays too. Like he's sitting on forty four points yeah. at the end of the game. Harden hits him with a you know, Jokic traps Harden at the kind of right by the baseline. So Harden throws a lollipop, but, you know, Joel has a, a free throw line jumper that he can dribble into, and he sees that Gordon is so far off of Tobias that that's the easy pass. And, again, like, the, this is what we're talking about. Like, the teammates helped him. Like, yeah. Joe made the right play, and Tobias made a count, you know, and that was that was a really good moment. So, yeah, well, and great That's great one thing where, you know, we, we, when we talk about the Embiid-Harden pick and roll, and, oh, maybe it doesn't look like Capella or some of the guys that – Harden played with in the past. Well, he's also never had a, a guy who can score or really make plays off of that short roll like Embiid can. And the two of them, when they are making those quick, correct decisions, are very tough to stop. Very tough. Yeah, and it's kind of like the play. It's kind of like the play that Niang made the three in in Los Angeles against the Lakers at the end of that game, where I think it was Schroeder helped over and and Joe found him. I like look. I think that that's really good to see where it's like. Okay, if you double Harden, great. Like you can you can either stop Embiid or you can give up a wide open corner three, but it's going to be one of the two. And that yeah. that yeah. pass is going to be on the money, and it's going to be a guy who shoots you know 
at least pretty close to 40%. I don't know where Tobias is at now. I know he struggled for a little bit. Seems like he's getting on track a little bit more. Uh, yeah, so that's just like, that. that's the type of stuff where I see that play and I think like, okay, playoffs, okay, you might have yeah. shot. Like that's yeah. like legitimate team building shit and and stuff that's replicable against any type of defense. And yeah, it's it kind of goes back to your point where I, I am surprised that Jokic did not have an answer for P.J. Tucker going small and playing against him. I mean, this is Nikola Jokic. I'm sure teams try everything against him. So, yeah. so he wasn't able to do it. One of the most cerebral players in the game. Yeah. So for the, uh, the fact that the Sixers felt a little more versatile than Denver yesterday, at least offensively. Yeah, I, I would say kind of on both ends of the court. They, you know, they, they felt like a more versatile team. That was another good thing. Denver is really good, and they're really good at what they do on both ends of the court. But they didn't really have an answer for what the Sixers were doing offensively, and the Sixers were at least able to throw a curveball that slowed them down just enough to uh, yep. to get them over the finish line. That would be a uh, one hell of a finals matchup. If you're rooting for a finals matchup, that might be the most entertaining outcome. Because not only is Embiid versus Jokic, but both teams have a lot of diversity in how they can attack you. If you give Jokic and Malone a seven-game series, I'm sure they come up with a better answer than they had in the second half there last night. And I would love to see that sort of chess match. Not only, you know, we talk about chess matches, chess matches a lot between coaches, but the chess match with, you know, Harden and Embiid and figuring that out and with Jokic and figuring that out on the fly, so much of it is not just dialing up the right plays or the right matchups, but your stars being able to read and react. And I think these two teams would be just a blast to watch over seven game series, just a complete blast. But the Sixers have a lot of work to do to get there. That is putting the cart a little bit ahead of the horse. And by the way, they got more work to do than Denver does because they unfortunately play in the harder conference now. Yeah, much harder, much harder. Way harder. Yeah, look, they had a good week. I mean, my God, the Sixers are a blown LeBron James call away from being even with the Boston Celtics in the the loss column. Like you said, the Boston Celtics have played three more games, weirdly, you know, rivalry week. The NBA wanted the Sixers fresh for that. They don't want the... Sixers fresh for March Madness, I'll tell you that right now. No. But, uh... Well, can the Sixers even beat Kentucky? (laughs) Old throwback. Yeah. So, look, I mean, this has been a great week for the Sixers. They just continue to reel off wins, and, you know, it's been been good. So we have two at home against the Magic coming up Monday and Wednesday before the Sixers head back out on the road for four out of five. I'll tell you what, though. You've got two against the Magic, the Spurs, and the Knicks coming in. Should be able to get that defensive rating up a little bit. If they're still giving up 120 a night, 130 a night, <laughs> alarm bells will sound. The Magic are a long team, an athletic team, a pretty fun team. They, they are score. not a good scoring team. They should. The Sixers should eat them up on defense. Uh, so we will... Uh, I'm actually excited to watch the Magic. I'm actually excited to watch the Magic. They've been, they are, they've been playing better over recent games. You know, they, they're certainly better than what we saw earlier in the year. They have their yeah. guards back at least, which is good and shit. I mean, they're beating the crap out of the Celtics for sure. Uh, yeah, so they're long. They can switch, bowl, bowl, do some weird stuff. You know, Markel's hanging around there. Boncaro's good. I'm just kind of naming their guys now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely think they probably pose a little more of a threat than their uh their record would say but those will be very winnable hopefully fun games in, they uh, shouldn't in be able to score against the sixers the sixers should be able to but i mean look it, it'll be fascinating because they're so so long so athletic um but the sixers should be able to certainly have more success than they have here defensively and than they have here this week but i'm excited 
for that. Any other stray thoughts here before we uh, we let you go get ready for that birds game? Go birds. Yeah, I don't really have a ton on on Niang except the the argument was funny, but just again, not another really clutch performance Huge by him. Yep, yep. Those are look all, all his job is to do really is to make those shots. He makes what, them. What they do with him this summer will be interesting. He is up for a new contract. A lot of teams can use. He has his deficiencies for sure. Uh, but anytime you can shoot at that kind of volume, he will probably get some interest. I do think this, he's probably as helpful and as necessary with the Sixers as he will be on almost any other team. You know, I think the Sixers have a couple of those really interesting decisions coming up here with Shake too. Uh, and I think Shake might be the inverse of that, where he might be more helpful on another team than he is on his diminished role with the Sixers when they're fully healthy. So you wonder about that. But he's been... Shake, shake, shake has had some big games too. Uh, but George has been very consistent for a shooter and very significant. Like every, it feels like a lot of times we look up and go, "Oh, they're back in the game." Oh, George was in the game. Um, those runs seem to coincide quite a bit. You, you also mentioned Matisse. They did not. I thought there was a chance they were going to play him down the stretch because he actually he did a nice job chasing around Murray. He did. Uh, you know, he did a much better job than Melton did. I, I thought early in the game, but they went with Tobias and that actually ended up being the right decision. I support no, that if Tobias could full disclosure. Right I, when we were discussing it on press row, I said, keep Matisse and keep Tobias out. Tobias up to that point was pretty awful. Uh, and I was, I'm not going to say I was wrong. Cause like you said, Matisse was doing really well, uh, chasing Murray around as well. Really the only one through the first three quarters that was, um, but Tobias coming up with the, the defensive plays and those, those big threes, uh, he shut me up real quick. But but good minutes from him. Obviously, the uh, the plus minus goes high. Now that said, when you're a backup and you get to play with, you know, Embiid, the Sixers had it where Embiid was playing against the uh, the non Jokic minutes. Although at the beginning that of the fourth was, quarter, that was a little strange. Were you surprised by that? Especially in the first half, what did you come out with? Like five minutes in the game? I, nah, not that early, but he came out pretty early, and there was no, some I think, significant. No, I think it was six minutes actually. Was it yeah, six? I think it was. And there's some the reason, significant Jokic without Embiid minutes. But then was, there were significant Embiid without Jokic minutes, sure, too, which sure. was weird. Uh, if if I had to guess, we didn't get to ask him because we were more focused on the big picture stuff. Yeah. I think that's rightfully so. That's kind of a smaller question. If I had to guess, he probably just got tired. He got a little too emotional, and we've seen that from time to time where he's just like, I need a blow. I'm, I'm like, I'm He didn't have two fouls I'm, at that point. No, he only had one foul when he came out six minutes in no, the game. Yeah, he got the second foul later yeah. when he came back into uh, – in the game, regardless, good, uh, good Matisse minutes. And then I'll, I'll just add, you know, we're not going to mention him too much. I, I don't think he was particularly noteworthy, but 17 points on five of 10 shooting and 13 assists and zero turnovers. Yeah. Not bad. That's amazing. Outside of mentioning his pick and roll play with Embiid, we have not mentioned, you didn't even mention his name there. James Harden had a, a very good night, a very good night. Uh, and yeah. it, it is, it is encouraging that he is willing to settle into that role. Because the more and more Joel Embiid levels up as a pick-and-roll scorer, the more and more his his mid-range game becomes so automatic and he becomes comfortable passing out of that, the less you really, especially if he's going to be hitting those step-backs, like the less you need, you don't need him to be Houston James Harden. The Sixers might be at that stage. Harden hit some big threes in the first half, too. I think specifically in those Jokic non-Embiid minutes where the Sixers were getting torched defensively and Harden was a big part of it as is always the case, but he did make some big shots to kind of keep them at least within striking distance. Because, my God, I mean, the Nuggets were scoring so unbelievably easy. It was incredible. In the, uh, in the first half. So, yeah, I think uh, second banana James Harden is 
Like he's starting to settle into that role. And, you know, he's, he's clearly, look, he seemed like he was fine with it. He was jumping on Embiid's back yesterday where he's like, all right, I'll just pass you the which, ball and let which you. I, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but for a guy with lower back injuries, a history of them, you know, maybe find another way to celebrate. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I think that's, that's probably fair. Can you imagine if he got an injury because somebody jumped on his back? Oh my god! <laughs> he look it's Joe, like, Joe can like find the, creative ways to get injured. We don't. I don't need that stress. I don't it'd be like the Brad stress. Lidge injury, except during the season, and even worse. Yeah, you're celebrating just beating the Nuggets instead of winning the World Series, as Brad Lidge was doing. Yeah, so good, good Harden game, and I, I just think a good week for him too because he he plays the one game where he's actually needed to completely bail their ass out and save them, and and he actually does the work. And then he sees, you know, Joe's got this tonight. It's yeah. fine. Wait, Jokic, you're just going to play up on this? Oh, I can I can find angles. Oh, one more quick rant. You tweeted about it. I completely, uh, th- this is bothering me. All the basketball Twitter, oh, Embiid flops, all this bullshit. This Jokic kickball thing is a scourge on. It's crazy. And it, like, what, it's what, not. What, do you have eight kickballs yesterday? He's not even trying to play defense. Well, and it's, the kickballs aren't even remotely incidental. Like, he's kicking his leg out, like, as Harden's going for the pass. Like, it's very, very... Look, it's smart. I get it. Like, if the rule's going to be that way, like, hey, you can stop an entry pass just by kicking your foot out. A little surprised more people don't do that. Maybe more people should do it so they can change the rule a little bit. That should be, like, a delay of game or something. And if it happens so many times, then it's a technical. And for Mr. Oh, my God, he's so much fun to watch play, which... By the way, for the most part, I actually agree I, I agree. But yeah, I agree with. But Mr. Oh my God, he plays the game the right way. Oh, look at him. He's the most fun guy to play with. All right, that sucks. And he did it like 10 times yesterday where yeah. Harden keeps trying to throw these pocket passes. And this dude is like, you know, you know, like a Champions League defender <laughs> sticking his foot out. Yeah. Okay. That's all. Just can't have big men who played soccer growing up. Oh, my yeah. crosses and beat out too. So shit. By the way, Joe never does that, which is funny. Yeah. Like. And he, he, look, he loves dribbling the ball afterwards. Well, and he's 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 very it, like it, Joe's not above using the rules to gain an advantage. Like oh. he talks about it all the time. Like, hey, I'm just smarter. My foul drawings because I'm smart. Okay, well, start kicking the ball. Eh, I take that back. I don't want to watch that every night. But it's it's smart play. But oh boy, is it annoying. Oh boy. Okay, that's it. Yeah, all right. just no, great. Good point. It need to be addressed. Someone needs to be leading that charge. We'll send uh, we'll send your your note to Adam Silver, who was at the game the other day. Mm-hmm. Wednesday's game. And yeah, it was a three o'clock game, which was great. It's the best game of the day and uh great moment for, yeah, even, even Joel's best moment didn't happen at eight o'clock either too. It was the three o'clock game, but yeah. I, I did, t- it did feel like just looking at the Twitter timeline, a lot of people were watching that one. A lot of people yeah, were taking note of. Speaking of, do you mind dominance. if we get off of this podcast so I can edit it and get it done before the birds play? Sure. Okay. Well, thank you, Rich, for jumping on and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.